This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matthew Kanata, joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. And the Miami Dolphins get dominated by the New England Patriots. Final score, a lot to a little. 38 New England, 7 Miami, and that 7 came in the garbage of most garbages time in this game. It was just a complete butt-kicking from almost the very beginning of the game. The Patriots scoring three in the first quarter, yes. So while the scoreboard doesn't show it, they were they were just beating up the Dolphins from the very beginning. Dolphins not finding anything on offense. The Miami Dolphins defense shooting themselves in the foot numerous times with penalties. And it, it just one thing led to another. Pretty much by halftime, the game was pretty much over. Uh, it would have taken a real miracle and a real fight from the Dolphins to come back in the second half. And then when the Patriots scored their first touchdown early on in the third quarter, then you knew that right then and there it was just pretty much impossible for the Dolphins to even put up any kind of fighting chance. Everyone on the Dolphins played today, even Brock Osweiler, only exception. And I don't know what's going on with this dude, but Cordrea Tankersley, the only guy who suited up out of everyone who suited up, the only guy who did not play inactives, David fails, Luke Falk. That's obvious. Devontae Parker, another injury. The guy can just not shake it. Rashad Jones. I'm telling you that hurt them a lot. Andre Branch, I don't know if it hurt him. The Dolphins didn't have any kind of real pass rush going. I'm not sure if Andre Branch would have added much. Chase Allen, more of a special teams guy, rotational guy, and A.J. Derby, I don't think he would have made a huge difference. I think Rashad Jones would have made a big difference. He's cleaned up if Rashad Jones was in the game because I don't think guys would have been out of position as much as they were. Sutton Houts, I mean, from this game... Where do we go from here, right? It's not like the Dolphins are 0-3, 0-4. It's not like the Dolphins are 1-3 or 1-2-2. They're 3-1. After the first quarter of the NFL season, they're 3-1. If they go 3-1 every single quarter, that's going to give them a 12-4 record. And that's a playoff record. That's possibly a first-round bye record. Are they going to go 3-1 every quarter? Probably not. But if you told me back in March the Dolphins would be 3-1 after four games, I think each and every one of us would have signed up for it. And I think there's just a bad taste in everyone's mouth right now because of the way the Dolphins lost, okay? Let's not sugarcoat this. Let's not be complete homers, and I know we're not. 
even though I was this past week, I was drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much. Um, you know, I should have looked at the fact that yes, the Dolphins haven't won there since 2008. And that's for a reason. It's not because the Dolphins are bad or anything because the Dolphins can beat the Patriots. The Dolphins have beaten the Patriots when they were the worst of the worst, when the Patriots came out to Miami. Foxborough was very hard to win at. You got the noise, you got the stadium, you got, you got the Patriots home field advantage. It's very hard and not many teams win there. So I overlooked that fact. I overlooked the fact that it was a divisional rival, rival game. And we know no matter how good or how bad the Dolphins are, no matter how good or how bad the Jets, Bills, and Patriots are, you're always going to go toe-to-toe with each other. You see that in every single division here in the NFL. No matter how bad a team is, if you're a divisional opponent, you're fighting each other tooth and nail. So I overlooked that fact, too. I got a little too ahead of myself, and I'm taking everything back, right? And, and I need to be conscious of that as we move forward and as we play games continuing throughout the season and as we continue to analyze and make predictions. But Sutton and Houts, you know, we have the Cincinnati Bengals next up on the schedule out in Cincinnati. The Cincinnati Bengals are a scoring machine. So, Sutton, I'm going to start with you. Um, you know, your general thoughts on, on the Dolphins, and I'm not really going to talk about the game today, just the general thoughts on what's what what happens from here. Well, it's definitely a slice of humble pie. So, you know, anybody that came into this game overconfident and cocky should remember that this is, a, you know, this is the National Football League, and there are some uh, really quality teams around this league. And uh, it was a Murphy's Law kind of game for us today. I mean, nothing seemed to go right. It'd probably be faster for us to talk about what what went right as opposed to everything that went wrong. So let me just give a quick shout-out to Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick for picking off Tom Brady today, Minka getting his first interception as a pro. But you look at third down, you look at the penalties, the, the bad snap, that was such a killer play. Then, you know, the injuries, Kilgore with the arm injury, Bobby McCain with the knee injury. MC Money, you, you mentioned some of the guys that we uh, missed coming into this game, like Rashad. Certainly that would have been an influence. Uh, New England got healthier going into this week. But one guy that you didn't mention, William Hayes, he was a guy that I think was sorely missed today because New England was able to establish a fairly consistent running game. Sony Michelle and James White both had excellent days. So if you had them on your fantasy team, good for you. Uh, but, you know, Miami seven first downs with Tannehill in the game before Brock Osweiler came in and led that garbage uh, drive at the end of the game. You know, I, I think big picture, though, you asked me to, to do a big picture look here. You know, I, I don't doubt the resilience of an Adam Gase team. I really don't. I think uh, that's one of the special qualities that he brings to the table. But I was very disappointed. I didn't feel like we played very physical today. I thought we got dominated in the trenches, and that concerns me a little bit more than maybe uh, – some of the box score people looking at some of these stats and stuff, man, when you just looked up front, we couldn't manufacture any space for, for Kenyon Drake. We talked about Kenyon Drake all, you know, coming into this week thinking he's going to put up huge yards and he had shown the pedigree to do it. But then you're looking at the trench play and you're not seeing any sort of gaps for these guys. And you just wonder, what's going on here like it and and then Kilgore gets injured so now I'm, I'm kind of worried about this interior offensive line like I thought Ted Larson was a better run blocker but I'm not seeing it in the game and I'm just not seeing 
uh, Miami's identity, I think, is a, a run play action pass, and we couldn't get anything going on the ground. So there's no point in doing a whole lot of play action. And we looked lost out there offensively. I know the defense didn't play great, but it's 45 plays to 75. It was almost the exact same breakdown with the Oakland Raiders. We just got lucky in the sense that we made a bunch of big plays with those 44 plays. But you can't you can't have that play discrepancy. 24 minutes to 36 minutes of time of possession. You just can't have those kind of disparities and expect to win a game in the National Football League. Yeah, and I mean, this is kind of what you see from Adam Gase. He's great at home, and then you go on the road, and they just seem to lay an egg every now and then, and especially up there in Foxborough. I mean, they came out, they looked like they were unprepared. His play calling, I mean, you, you can't get in those third and long situations and all game long, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a poor play call at the beginning, whatever it may be, the Dolphins just could not get in a favorable third down situation. Ryan Tannehill just looked bad. He looked off all day long. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line, like Sutton mentioned. Kilgore got went down. Uh, Larson's still trying to get a feel in there. I mean, they just could not pass protect for Tannehill. Uh, they just couldn't do anything on the ground. And like you said, I mean, the play action is where the Dolphins can, can do the damage in the passing game. And uh, they still, you still saw them there early on. They were, they were running the play action, but no one was, no one was concerned about it because Kenyon Drake wasn't doing anything on the ground. Frank Gorley did something later in the game. So uh, it was just an abysmal performance from this team. I mean, uh, it was kind of, you know, you didn't want to expect this to happen, but deep down, if someone said, you know, put a hundred dollars, put, put money on the Dolphins beating New England this weekend. I don't think anybody would have. I think deep down, I mean, we were hoping this would have been a different situation than years past, but we knew the Dolphins were going to go up there. It was going to be a dog fight. It certainly was not a dog fight. They just came out and straight up whooped the Dolphins. So you'd like to see them at least put up a fight there. But as for what this does for the season moving forward, I think like both of you said, they're three and one. That's not something that we would have expected heading into this year. Uh, it's definitely a, a good thing to have moving forward. And you go there to Cincinnati. I mean, Andy Dalton's put up huge numbers. They'll probably get Joe Mixon back next week. So we'll touch on that matchup later. I know both of you are going to that game, but if the Dolphins go out there and they can beat the Cincinnati Bengals, that'll say a lot to what they're trying to build moving forward. And it'll be a huge game in the AFC and could have wild card implications at the end of the year. But overall, I mean, defense, uh, like Sutton said, you were out in the field that much. You really can't expect them to to hold their ground much longer. I mean, they, they did what they could. They were playing well early. They had some a nice stop there as the the Patriots moved the ball at will there early in the first quarter. Uh, Jonathan Woodard, you got to give it up to him. He kind of came in there, had a pretty nice debut in the NFL. So for me, uh, you it is what it is. Xavier Howard got completely torched throughout the game. It's kind of something that you were hoping not to see from him. But overall, defense, they did some good. Offense was just terrible. So they got to fix those things. You'd like to see more of the Adam Gase play calls from the first three weeks and what he did on Sunday because he just looked lost and completely went against everything that they did those first few weeks. This was the worst loss in the Adam Gase era. After the game, Adam Gase said, I didn't see this coming. Albert Wilson tweeted something to the effect of this was unexpected. Adam Gase in his press conference told the reporters, we didn't do anything good today. So every question you ask, it's going to be the same thing. Remember, the Dolphins lost 40-0 to at Baltimore. They lost 45-17 to in primetime against the Carolina Panthers. This one, 38-7. to So while not in terms of score, the biggest blow in the Adam Gase era, 
just the way the Dolphins played, right? You are 3-0. and You have a chance to make a huge statement against the New England Patriots. You have a chance to put a stranglehold on the AFC East. And not one member of your team shows up. I don't think any member. Matt Hawk, terrible today. For someone who played so well the first few weeks, absolutely terrible. Frank Gore, Frank Gore did Frank Gore things, right? He couldn't get the run game going, but he fought until the very end. Kenyon Drake, again, cannot get the run game going after an impressive first week or so. Albert Wilson, nothing. Danny Amendola, nothing. Kenny Stills, not much. Ryan Tannehill, nothing. Brock Osweiler had more fantasy points than Ryan Tannehill today. Yes, garbage time, and I know that's not the end-all, be-all, but it just shows just how the day went. Like you said, House Xavier Howard was a mess. Bobby McCain was a mess. Minka Fitzpatrick, he got a pick. I got to look at the All-22. I, I can't say how he did for sure just by going off what we saw on the TV because he's out in the center field. No pass rush. Offensive line was a mess. These are This is one of those games where you take it and you just throw it away completely, right? Adam Gase has said over and over and over again, this team has the with all to overcome adversity. And he said the team last year did not have that. So we're going to find out if this team can overcome adversity. We're going to find out as early as next week if this team can shake off this loss today and move forward and fight the Cincinnati Bengals. Will they win? At this point, I'm not predicting a win for them. No, I am not. They're going on the road against a very good team who was also 3-1, and one, who went toe-to-toe with the Atlanta Falcons today. Offensive juggernaut. And A.J. Green is damn good. And if they're getting Joe Mixon back, he is damn good as well. And you saw them today have problems with Sonny Michelle. So we'll see. But if they go into Cincinnati kicking and screaming and fighting and they lose by three or lose by seven, and they do it in a way where they're just fighting toe-to-toe, I will be okay with it. I will be okay with going back home to face the Chicago Bears at three and two. Obviously, four and one would be nice, but it's it's going to be a hostile environment. The Bengals fans are going to be pumped up. Dolphins fans will be there. Like you said, House Sutton and I will be there. We're going to be pumped up as much as we can. And and it's going to be a game where hopefully the Dolphins get back on this and, and keep moving in the right direction. Because today was almost like a reset day. Coaching was just terrible. The Dolphins were doing the opposite of everything that they were doing the first three weeks in which they were successful. The first three weeks, they were doing horizontal routes underneath, and they used that to open up the long shot down the field. Today, they were just chucking the ball down the field. It's almost like when you're in the backyard playing with your friends, and you just say, go deep, and I'll throw it. That felt like what Ryan Tannehill was doing. He was missing guys all all over the place by throwing the deep ball, and it just couldn't connect on anything. They got away from the run game very quickly. Penalties killed them. The false starts killed them. The holdings killed them. Both sides of the ball. It's not a winning formula, and we saw that today. And we could sit here and and talk about stats on the game, and that's not going to do us any good, right? The issue is we're not going to really know the true grit of this team until they take the field on Sunday against the Bengals, and that's a good thing, and that's a bad thing, right? The good thing is that we have a whole week for them to reset and for everyone to calm down before they go at it again. It's a bad thing because it's uncertainty right now. And we all knew this coming into this game. If the Dolphins lost this game, everyone would be saying, okay, who are the real Dolphins? If they won this game, they'd be saying, this team is for real. And now we wait, and now we watch, and we see how they react on Sunday. Beyond that, I don't think there's much more we can say about this game right now. So how it's in Sutton, any last words about this game? Yeah, you know, it was just such a thorough buck-hicking. You just hope that 
what New England did today didn't expose the Dolphins. So in other words, we don't want to have formulated a blueprint for other NFL teams to construct how to beat us. So I definitely want to look into the tape when the All-22 becomes available. But let me leave you with a glimmer of hope. So uh, I was in attendance for a game just like this, uh, 2016 Baltimore. I'm sitting there uh, probably in the 20th row. I had some pretty good seats for this game. And uh, we come out and absolutely get destroyed 38 to 6. It's absolutely horrible. Almost the same thing. We can't get anything going. We shoot ourselves in the foot. It looks like a JV team playing against varsity. Well, the following week, you guys might remember this game because this would be the infamous Calais Campbell game where Ryan Tannehill and the offense comes out and is playing with their heads on fire. Uh, end up winning that game 26 to 23. So, like I said earlier, I don't doubt the resilience of an Adam Gase team. We just hope that schematically we weren't exposed in this game. But I'm going to go with what I've seen historically an Adam Gase team do, and that's respond to the situation. And just to throw this out there, I have seen the Dolphins play in Cincinnati twice, and we are 2-0. and Sounds like it's going to be a good day for the Dolphin fans next Sunday. Uh, I just want to see this team, like you said, bounce back, go out there and do what they did those first three weeks, and and let's put this game behind us. Let's hope that, like Sutton said, that defense is now coachings. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to see a weakness in Miami, whether it be to stop the run and try to make Tannehill beat you. Uh, you know, I think New England was playing with seven defensive backs for most of the game, and the Dolphins just had no answer for it. Uh, you hope that they can just respond against a very tough Cincinnati team. But fans, step off the ledge. This isn't the end of the season. They're still 3-1. and one. They're still on top of the AFC East. We still have 12 games to go. Be happy. This is a 3-1 and one team that many national pundits, they said this team was going to be a bottom five team in 2018. They've been looking pretty damn good except for this week. So let's move past this week and we're on to Cincinnati. We are on to Cincinnati. And just one more thing before we close out the show here. You know, I was in the locker room last week with the Miami Dolphins players and obviously a very celebratory mood. Today, reports coming out from the beat reporters and the columnists that none of the players wanted to talk to them. Understandable in a sense, you just got your butt whooped. But I think the the sign of a good team, a sign of a team that can overcome adversity, and a sign of a team that has it together is you're willing to talk regardless of whether you win or lose and, and not go up and down too high, right? Adam Gase always says we can't get too high, we can't get too low, we got to stay in the middle, even keeled. And I think this team is going to learn that and learn how to stay right in the middle and obviously celebrate your wins, 24 hours move on, but don't get too low on your losses either. It's never too low, it's never as low as it seems in the NFL, it's never as high as it seems either. As they say, the truth is always lies in the middle. And I think this Dolphins team will remember that. We'll find that out this week from Adam Gase and the coaches. And I think fans need to realize that too. Again, it's not as low as it seems, and it's never as high as it seems. And if we can keep that in mind and stay even keeled throughout the season, and I'm guilty of this too because I start going crazy, you know, 3-0, and I was going nuts. And uh, we just all need to remember that. Dolphins will take on the Bengals next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time out in Cincinnati. They will then come home to face the Chicago Bears and then the Detroit Lions. We'll see how the Dolphins respond to this week's loss against the New England Patriots. 
Can they get back on track or will they continue to spiral downwards? For Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We'll talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Cause we're the Miami Dolphins